Hi, I'm Dr. Alia Yacoub. I am a board-certified internist with specialized training in dermatology, and I happen to be an entrepreneur in the healthcare space. Uh, I am a health tech um, angel investor, as well as medical founder of a healthcare technology company. Hey, podcast. I'm Rami Webby, and today we have Dr. Alia Yacoub with us, who talks to us about entrepreneurship, maintaining wellness in your career, finding balance, finding your purpose, navigating through struggles, finding balance as a mom, as a physician, and as a social media influencer. Dr. Alia drops some really great information in this podcast episode. So stay tuned and enjoy the podcast. Dr. Alia, you you are like superwoman to me. I see you on social media. You uh, like you, you're, you do it all. You're a doctor. You're an entrepreneur. You're you said like you said you're a mother, and how do you how do you manage to do all of that? Oh my gosh! First of all, that's so kind of you. I feel so flattered and honored. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm I don't consider myself superwoman and. I don't think that I really do it all. I think a lot of it has to do with figuring out what your priorities are uh, in in your life. Um, we all have the same, you know, number of hours per day, and so figuring out how you want to spend those hours. For me, uh, I try to get eight hours of sleep, so that automatically takes out a third of the day. Mm-hmm. But then beyond that, I have to prioritize how I want to spend my time and what's important to me. So to be honest, I do a lot of outsourcing of things or, um, I put, make things lower priority that aren't, um, super interesting to me. So much of that includes housework, but in terms of, uh, you know, the priorities that I do have, one of them is obviously my family. Uh, secondly, I am passionate about, uh, medicine and I'm also, uh, passionate about entrepreneurship. And the last thing is I'm super passionate about, um, helping other people sort of achieve their dreams and, and stimulate them to think outside of the box and to pursue things that are non-traditional because there is this sort of cookie cutter form that um, people in medicine sort of stick to. And part of that is that the attendings um, and sort of the quote-unquote elders in medicine kind of inculcate you into this club of, hey, you have to do fellowship. Hey, you have to get an academic job. Hey, you have to have stability and have a private practice. Or, you know, there's very few options that are sort of presented to you when you're in medical training. And I really... I really feel like people should start thinking outside of the box because there's so many incredible, amazing opportunities out there. There's so many interesting, incredible companies that are being started every single day. And they're always looking for healthcare and medical experts to sort of be part of the founding teams. And it's hard to find doctors, especially, who think outside the box enough to want to be entrepreneurial and join those types of ventures. Absolutely. So, so right now, what exactly are you doing? Are you doing a little bit of medicine and a little bit of like startup stuff? Yeah. So that's a really good question. Uh, right now. So I just had our third baby, so she's a few months old. So I'm still technically on maternity. Thank you. I'm still on maternity leave, but what I had been doing prior to that was, uh, I was medical founder of forward, which is, um, a healthcare technology company that started the modern doctor's office. That's found, uh, that's you know, uh, equipped with brand new hardware and software. It uses AI to power how we make diagnoses and um, how we treat people. Um, And it basically brings healthcare into the future. So in the same way that we do everything on mobile nowadays from ordering 
a taxi to ordering your food, uh, you want to be on mobile with healthcare too, and you want to have access to uh, your doctor and to your healthcare team. So we're basically modernizing um, that aspect of the healthcare experience. So while at Forward, um, I basically had a panel of patients um, for whom I was their private doctor, but I also was performing the functions of a chief medical officer. And so um, doing quality assurance, um, strategic partnerships, as well as um, things like um, managing the medical group and uh, a variety of other things other tasks like that. After having the baby, I've had a change of perspective, um, in terms of how I want to be able to spend my time and how much time I am able to allot to work. And so I'm sort of in a little bit of an exploratory phase right now where I definitely want to spend some time doing clinical medicine, but I also really got the entrepreneurial bug and I want to start a company. So I'm kind of in the beginning phases of, of doing that right now while still trying to maintain my clinical skills. And, you know, I'm teaching Stanford medical students um, as well and mentoring people. So that's kind of where I am right now. So it's it's very atypical for people in the medical field to actually branch out into entrepreneurship, I feel like, even in at least the new age of doctors that are coming out, because it's more like you're, you're going into the hospital and you're becoming part of a system now. And it, there's really little opportunity to kind of branch out and become your own entrepreneur. Maybe not little uh, maybe not little opportunity, but little people are not so many people are doing that. Um, so why why did you decide you wanna? Can you sorry? Can you can you hang on yeah, for sure. one second? I have yeah. a little kid knocking on my door. Let's sure, see. it's okay. I'm so sorry. No, it's my okay. This is part was of like bang banging down is, my door. This is actually a good. <laughs> this is a good thing for the podcast because this just shows that this shows your mother's side <laughs> like you still have to deal with the kids and you know do all the motherly stuff which is cool um so my question to you was not too many people in the medical field going into like entrepreneurial practices um because they're kind of being funneled into a system just because of the way things are in medicine and to our listeners that are listening that may not be in the medical field right now and that may be in like a job that they're kind of just in a corporate system, they're in like a they're just in like a field that they feel like they can't do their own entrepreneurial thing. What how do you think can that can entrepreneurship be brought into any field? Can it brought in, be brought into any career? Yeah, so that's a really good question and it's one that I spend a lot of time thinking about because I do a lot of outreach to physicians and, you know, uh, medical students, residents, fellows to try to get them to think in ways that they're not used to thinking and to think about innovation. Um, being in Silicon Valley, it makes it easy uh, for us because at Stanford, we have a large percentage of medical students and residents who are exposed to all of the health tech, digital health um, uh, startups out there. We're surrounded by incubators um, and we see this sort of vibe of innovation as something very positive. So it's up close and very personal. But for people who are in other places in the U.S. or in the world, I can see how you can get completely um, uh, blinded to those types of opportunities because you just aren't exposed to them. So what I would say is there's different levels uh, that you can get involved at. Um, there is a common thought that, hey, well, if I do something entrepreneurial and if I start a company, that means that I can't really be clinical. 
Um, and in a lot of ways, uh, if you want to be chief medical officer of a biotech company, or if you want to go into industry, um, or if you want to go into healthcare administration, there isn't a lot of opportunity to be clinical and to pursue those opportunities. But I think that if you want to do both and you want to balance both, which is what my passion is, then you can, you can definitely find those opportunities. And I would say it is a little bit of a mental jump. You have to be able to take a little bit of a risk to make that jump from something that's very stable, like you know, a um, an outpatient or a clinical job, to something uh, where you have to learn a completely new skill set. But I, I highly encourage people to do that and to learn more about what it's like in other environments, whether that's corporate, whether that's startup, whether that's starting your own company. I think starting your own company is the riskiest of them all and takes the largest sort of leap uh, in terms of um, sort of faith. And, uh, you know, you really feel like you're leaving a lot behind when you're starting your own company. But it is also incredibly rewarding in so many so many ways. And you have complete freedom to do exactly what you want. You, if you, whether that's developing new technology, whether that's developing an app or a website or a service or, uh, changing the way that, um, patients interact with their health. I mean, there's just so many options out there. And so I really do encourage people to look into companies that are being started, talk to people who are doing more entrepreneurial things and to sort of do a little bit of, uh, soul searching, you know, are you somebody who always has to be clinical? Are you somebody who doesn't want to do any clinical work and just wants to do that? Or are you somebody who, like me, wants to do a little bit of both and wants to maintain those clinical skills, but also wants to be involved in this rich innovation that's happening? Um, so I think the first step is just exposing people to it. Um, and if you have the curiosity, I think it's well worth the exploration. And, um, and also, it's important to talk to people and read about this and you can even do the next step, which is reach out to startups um, in the healthcare space and just offer your expertise on a volunteer basis, um, do an internship with them. And you can do this concurrently with your medical training. You can do this while you're a medical student. Um, all of these startups are looking for subject matter experts mm -hmm. in healthcare. And that's exactly what doctors and medical students and residents are. We're mm -hmm. subject matter experts in healthcare. And so our experience is very valuable. So there's lots of ways to get involved. Awesome. So some people listening might be wondering, how do you how do you know if you're an entrepreneur? I feel like for you, you kind of like you I get the entrepreneur vibe from you. You kind of I, and I, I get it from people who I think are also would be good entrepreneurs. Do you think there's something to that? Do you think that people are sh there are people who should have day like day jobs and work for a company and and that's perfectly okay and they'll be perfectly happy and for other people like if you're not an entrepreneur uh, entrepreneur you feel suffocated yeah and like you feel like you're not expressing your creativity and you feel like it could have even a like you won't feel really happy do you do you agree with that or yeah yeah i think that's a that's a really interesting question because i don't think that people are necessarily born entrepreneurs and that uh other people are not su not super entrepreneurial. I think part of it depends on the environment that you're in. So for me, for instance, I was always a creative person. I always had to be involved in the arts and, and the humanities as well as the sciences. So like in college, I double majored in biology and English, and I always had a creative pursuit along my medical path uh, that really fulfilled me. And I started realizing when I was, you know, late later in my training that 
what I really derived pleasure from was two things, having relationships with my patients and, and giving them some type of value. And the second thing was creating something that that's, that's the um, key delivers right value. There, creating. So, that- so if you're a creator, I think, um, you're automatically in a bucket where you could be entrepreneurial. But if you, if you don't have that desire and you're just perfectly happy having a normal life with a regular nine to five or a regular eight to seven or whatever it is, um, then, then there's no, by no means do you need to be an entrepreneur. Do you need to think outside the box, but it's an option for people who have that itch and have that desire. Okay. So did you always kind of know you wanted to do something creative and build something? Was it, was it like a feeling you always had, or was it something that slowly developed over time? Or were you honestly, no, um, it's something that kind of developed and I do have to give some credit to my husband because he's a venture capitalist and he sort of introduced me to the ecosystem of startups and how companies are built. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs who've built incredible things. And I think being around that environment is a little bit infectious. It gives you this sense that, well, Hey, if that person can do it, I can do it too. And why am I not doing it? And another thing for me was being a resident at Stanford in Silicon Valley, where I just felt there's so much innovation and so much incredible value being developed and delivered at this particular moment in time, that if I didn't step into that and have a part in that, I would be forever having FOMO about it. So I just decided I need, I need to be involved. Um, and so so it was a little bit of your, it was a little bit of your environment that kind of planted that seed for you a little bit. Oh, totally. If I lived in Ohio, I, I'm not sure that I would have chosen this path. I would have been completely happy just having, um, a regular job in a clinic or a hospital, um, and just moving on with my life and focusing on other things. That's really interesting to me. Good perspective because they, they're always, there's a saying that you are a product of your environment and you're a product of the people you're around. So I could see how that would really have like an influence on what you will be doing like entrepreneurial wise. Yeah, totally. And I think social media plays a huge role in that. So let's say you are the medical student in Ohio and you don't have any connections to Silicon Valley, but this whole idea of innovation sounds really Mm -hmm. interesting to you. Maybe you're sitting in the hospital and you're like, why in the world do we have pagers or this electronic medical record is so out of date and out of touch? And you're like, I have a better idea. How can I implement this? Mm -hmm. If you're that person, I think social media is an an important and incredible tool for you to be able to connect with people who are like-minded or who may be a few years ahead of you Mm -hmm. and to follow their path and to learn from them. Uh, So it's in that way, extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. I have people who reach out to me from all over the world who are starting companies and who want some advice. And mm-hmm. oftentimes if I, if I, at least in the last couple of years, if I have had enough time, I've, I've definitely, um, you know, helped people sort of shape their ideas and given them feedback. Awesome. I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about how, how does, how do you think your career, choosing your career plays into your well being? Because I know a lot of people who are unhappy in their jobs who are who might feel burned out who might feel like it's not really what they want to be doing and even in medicine I see this a lot how do you think that plays into somebody's well-being like how do you think that affects a person's health deep down because we address a lot of issues when we see patients we talk to them about their mental health 
we, we, we see all these issues, but how many times do we actually ask a patient about their career? How are, are you unhappy in your career? Because a career is a big part of your life. You know, you're spending a lot of time doing that. And if you're doing something that is, let's say, just you feel miserable at work, like that's, re- I can imagine that would be really like, really eating away at people and really affecting their health but we don't seem to address that too much we don't even really think about it that much when we're talking to patients just you that's thinking, right yeah. how do you what do you think what do you think about that yeah I think it's a definitely an important thing to uh, address when you're the physician uh, in the room uh, and really ask people how their work is impacting their happiness their stress levels their ability to sleep their ability to have uh, meaningful relationships. Um, for sure, when I was a physician on the Facebook campus, I did that all day long. And it turns out that a lot of times people's depression or their anxiety or even their uh, GI issues were related to how much stress they had at work. Um, I think it, it plays a huge role. Uh, on the flip side, for people in healthcare who are choosing a career, I think you can be in most specialties and most environments and set boundaries that make you happy. So for instance, I think if you are somebody who has to like go swimming every day after work, or you have to work out, or you have to have enough time for socializing, and that's a high, you know, a big priority for you, you have to figure out a way to fit that into your schedule and into your life. I think once people sacrifice all of their autonomy and all of the things that make them happy, that's sort of when you really feel like you've hit rock bottom. And I've mm-hmm. definitely been in that, um, in the startup grind where you're working 120 hours a week and you don't see your family, uh, <laughs> and you, um, are commuting, you know, two and a half hours a day. It can, it can be pretty stressful and it can be sort of like, it feels like you're on a hamster wheel. Um, Mm -hmm. but then you step back and you have to set boundaries and say, okay, either this is short term. So this is just for residency training, or this is just for fellowship, or this is just for the next year. I think that's more manageable than if you're saying, okay, I'm on this hamster wheel and I'm just going to be on this hamster wheel for Mm -hmm. life. Um, so short term sacrifice in terms of time and commitment, I think is much more manageable, but then if you're in sort of a long-term grind, you need to set boundaries and that's really hard, especially Mm -hmm. in medicine. When you have patients who need you, you have, um, you know, the opportunity to do additional projects and work in order to become a leader and you just don't have the time to do it. So then you spend all night doing it. I mean, it's all about figuring out how to spend your time and how to prioritize the things that matter to you. And in the long term, you can't sacrifice things like your sleep and your nutrition and mm-hmm. your ability to exercise. So, how important is it to do what you love? Because I feel like if you do what you love, you can work the 80, 100 hours. You may not get burned out. But if you're doing something you don't necessarily love, like if you're not. If you're doing it and you're not happy doing it, I feel like that's when burnout really sets in when you're because then it really takes a toll on you. Whereas if you love what you're doing, even if you're putting in a lot of hours, you might not really reach that point and it might not affect your health like that. Yeah, I think it's so important to find out what it really is that you love. I I got into this uh, situation as a senior resident where my program director was pushing me to do a fellowship. And so I then selected a fellowship that I thought, um, I would like and ended up deciding midway, you know what, this isn't actually right for me. And so 
Um, I'm glad that I made that decision. It was rough at the moment because I had to sort of unwind everything, but I realized I'm not going to be happy doing that for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. so I actually took a few months. Um, I had my first baby. I took a few months to think about it. I talked to a lot of people. I, you know, found some mentors and realized that I'm somebody who likes to create and I like to, um, have deep relationships with patients and people. And I figured out sort of what the things are that make me happy. And once I did that, it was like a whole new world opened and I was able to view opportunities and find and seek unique opportunities that fit that mold. And once I did that, I was just in a whole different, um, sort of level of, I would say happiness. But if you're, if you don't find what you love and if you're not doing something that you love, go change it. I mean, life is so short. It doesn't matter if you're on a tenure track or if, um, if people Mm -hmm. are going to wonder what you're doing. I think sometimes it's nice to just take a little bit of time and really do some soul searching and write down, uh, sort of what your values are, what makes you happy, where you see your life in five years, what your dream would be to do. And, and really just like get on that path and do it. I think a lot of times people are afraid to make changes um, because safety and security are um, top of mind, but it's so important to just I, be happy. I think that's such a good point. And it's, uh, it's uh, probably one of the more important things, one of, the important, one of the more important decisions that you'll make in your life and that's how you're going to spend your time and what you're going to do with your life. And like you said, doing the soul searching and doing the hard work that it takes to really figure out what you want to be doing, how you want to spend your time, what motivates you. And that takes work. That takes like some real inner work, I think. So that's a really good point that I'm really glad that you brought up. Um, so what would, you, what would you tell somebody that's currently unhappy in their career right now? People in medicine, specifically? In any, any career. In any career. I would say, first first of all, get out a notebook or a piece of paper and really write down the things that make you happy. What is it that you want out of your life? What are the, the characteristics and things that make you happy? For some people... For some people, those things are, um, you know, lifestyle based. Uh, and for others, there are things like, you know, patient care versus not, um, you know, how much money you make, uh, what types of colleagues you have, um, what type of fulfillment you get from the type of work, you know, are you happy doing, um, more creative work? Are you happy doing, uh, more analytic work? Try to figure out what it is that really makes you happy. So write that stuff down then take some time. It could be even a weekend. Just take a a, a whole weekend and get away from everyone and just like sit on the beach or in the forest or go sit somewhere with yourself and really reflect on what you've done up to this point that has made you unhappy and where you're going to take your life in the next five to 10 years and just make it a reality. It doesn't have to be perfect. Start seeking out opportunities. Start talking to people. Talk to people who are five years ahead of you in the game or 10 years ahead of you and ask them what their regrets are ask them what, what they would advise you to do and just start exploring. And I think naturally at at the right time, you'll figure out what it is that you want and where you should be and what really makes you happy. And then lastly, like the biggest piece of advice is stop caring about what other people think. I think once you stop caring about what other people think, you are sort of on the right path. You're on the right path to enlightenment for yourself. I love that happiness for yourself. I love that. That's awesome. That that's really what I've been trying to do for the last like year or two, just really getting myself in that mindset 
and trying to free myself from like the stigmas that especially you know being in medicine you know there's a lot of things of, of like how things are supposed to be done and if you don't do them this way you're subject to a lot of criticism and you know other people might be able to relate because in other careers there might be a certain way of things being done but it's really it doesn't set your soul free it doesn't let you be who you want to be it doesn't let you be truly happy because you're trying to appease people you're trying to do things the way they're always everyone's always done them and you're not really being true to yourself and listening to yourself so I love that you brought that up Um, I think also like real progress happens when people stop this collective group think like once you start thinking like an individual that's where you bring tremendous value to yourself and also to your society and to the world. So if you truly are a change maker, you have to think like one, you have to act like one. And that means like not following what other people are doing. And that can be hard. So you Mm -hmm. have to mentally prepare yourself for that. Sometimes people are really worried about what their parents are going to think because they paid for their education. Or if you're an immigrant, you know, what your family is going to think or what your friends are going to think, or, you know, well, what am I going to put on LinkedIn kind of thing? I mean, people think all sorts of ways and you just have to free yourself from that. Absolutely. And and the big thing about that is if you do that, if you are doing things constantly to appease people or even if it's your parents or if it's whoever it may be, if you end up doing that and just to please someone or to show them, you know, because you love your parents, you really want to do this for them or because whatever it may be, there ends up being a resentment later on because you end up being unhappy because you did something for the wrong reason and that right. that creates like a like an internal turmoil almost like it it creates unhappiness so that's why i try to tell people a lot i meet a lot of people that you know with social media and stuff that want to go into medicine that say they want to go into medicine but they'll go in i can almost sense when someone's going in for the wrong reason because if number one they're iffy about it <laughs> if you're iffy about it you probably shouldn't be going into medicine um but I, I i can see how that would if you're going to dedicate that much time and effort and then later on be unhappy you're going to create resentment towards those people later on i think yeah another really interesting thing about a specific career in medicine is that the process can kind of squeeze the life out of you a little bit right you mm-hmm. have all of these restrictions and requirements and you have to do a certain, um, type of thing in college. And then you have to, you know, go through this process in medical school. And then you have to go through this rigorous residency training where they teach you that you're the lowest on the totem pole. And then you're like slowly climbing to the top and everyone else is better than you. And then finally you're released from this whole institution and you have to either find a job or figure out what you're going to do. Um, and people just find you know, sort of the, the hole that they're going to go into and, mm-hmm. and go along that path. Yep. And so it's, it's kind of, um, counterintuitive to go through that type of intense and rigorous process, very controlled situation to come out and do something a little bit risky and crazy. Absolutely. But I, I encourage people to do that because you don't want to be 50 years old and looking back at your career and saying, Oh man, all this cool stuff happened during my career and I wasn't part of it. Like that's, that's the worst thing I think to experience is regret. So exactly the time is now. Now that you mentioned that, especially when you're finishing residency, you've spent all this time in school and you have a guaranteed salary awaiting you and it's a decent amount of money. 
It's hard to turn that down, even though you know you're going to be miserable doing that job. Just because you've spent all this time in school, you've spent all this time preparing, and now you're just like, I just want to start making money. I just want to start living my life and earning and whatever. And you end up, you end up uh, settling. Sac- what what's the right word? Settling, I guess, for something mm-hmm. and just taking whatever it is instead of really doing what you want and it, taking the risk and you know maybe putting in a little bit more work for one two more years but it, it's hard to do that and i and i see it a lot happening right now especially in medicine and maybe i don't, in I don't blame i don't blame those people actually because by the time i, I don't either training, i don't either yeah you're you know in your 30s and that's the time when you probably want to settle down find, find a partner have kids yeah um buy a house plant some roots I would say do that, experience that. And then after a year or two, when you've made some money um, and can pay off some of those loans, uh, that's the time to really go for it. I would say it's never too late, but a good time is sort of in your mid-30s. Yeah. And there's definitely those people that, you know, find their path as soon as they're done and they're ready to do it and they're happy doing that. So there are definitely those people as well. so I wanted to ask you, what are some of the biggest struggles you faced in your career so far? How did you navigate through them? How did you keep your well-being? How did you balance yourself and, you know, kind of hang on to your well-being and, you know, to your yeah, family? That, and that's a, totally that's a really good question. Um, I think the toughest part of my life was actually residency. Um, all of a sudden, I was in this environment where I had absolutely no say in how I spent my time at all whatsoever. Um, and that was really, really difficult for me. I also felt like I lost my creative outlet during that time, and I, I didn't have the time or the energy to do anything creative, which in hindsight was actually really important for my well-being. Um, and luckily I had already met my husband by then, but had I not had a partner, I would have probably been one of the saddest, most miserable people, but, uh, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I got through it. And after that was done, um, it was like literally the whole world opened up. So, um, for people who are going through that, I mean, just hang in there, there is light at the end of the tunnel, mm. but try to make your time, um, sort of. Uh, like make your time during training happy, you know, Mm -hmm. do the things that, that make you happy and that you love with the very little free time that you do have. But, um, I think, I think staying positive during tough situations, um, is also super, super important and surrounding yourself with people who truly care about you, support you and always have positive things to say. So I know I say this a lot, especially on social media, but, um, positivity is so incredibly important and mm-hmm. finding your tribe is, um, is actually sometimes the difference between make or break when it comes to your career. I've, yeah. I've known so many people who've quit during medical training because it was just too difficult or, um, you know, too depressing for them, um, or, or too challenging. And so just pushing through the tough moments, I think, um, is, is incredibly important. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so with having a family, a career, you're doing all this stuff on social media, which I really recommend people to follow you on social media, media at Clear, oh, Clear Skin Doc. Um, I think, how do, you, how, do you find that, how do you find the balance? Where's, what are some steps people can take to really find true balance? 
I think that's hard. I think if you look at every single given day, you're not going to find every day being balanced. Mm -hmm. There are going to be days where you work 14 hours and you sleep for five hours probably because you're so excited about something that you're working on. And then there are going to be days where you have more balance and you're able to work out and you're able to cook your own food and you're able to spend time with loved ones and family members. So I think it, I think my view is that it all averages out. I don't think you're going to have complete balance all the time. Uh, but I think if you just continue to remember what your priorities are and make sure they're, you know, three or four large priorities and kind of stick to them, that'll be your guiding principle in life. But you can't do it all. You can't have it all, at least not at the same time. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that would be a tall order, I think, for anyone, uh, no matter how much energy you have. And I think there's also a season for everything in life. So when my kids were really, really little and I was adjusting to being a mom and doing all the things that come with that, I had no energy. I mean, I wasn't sleeping and I definitely wasn't on social media and I was barely just surviving um, my clinical job. And so there is a season for everything. Give yourself time, give yourself, um, cut yourself a little bit of slack Mm -hmm. and don't put too much pressure on yourself. And, and definitely one thing that's super important is don't compare yourself to other people. Oh, yeah. Um, it's super easy to do that now. Yeah, it's super easy, and I think it's so detrimental. Like, stay in your own lane, put your blinders on, focus yeah. on your prize, what makes you happy, and just keep trudging along that path. Don't start yeah. comparing yourself to this person or that person who's doing X, Y, or Z thing because maybe they have different priorities and maybe their mm-hmm. life setup is different. I think so. I think that's one of the big struggles our generation is facing right now is is it seeing everybody else showcase their life in like the best light possible, which is may not may or may not always be the truth, but it's 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 different. It's weird for us because we see so many people doing all these really cool things, highlighting their lives in it. It might make people feel like they're not doing enough or it may make people feel bad about themselves or create like some inner negative negativity in people there's like a lot of emotions i see running through having social media not just with myself i try personally i try to keep my blinders on as much as i can and just interact with a few people that i really find positivity and value from but I, i i do see that there is this kind of overlying theme that's going on where yeah it's yeah. it's interesting i have a, a, a really interesting perspective because i i basically <clears throat> uh was the facebook doctor for three years and i interacted with uh the executives at facebook and, and instagram and was their personal doctor for a few years and so Um, I can tell you from the inside that social media is designed to, um, increase your engagement. It's, it's designed to keep and captivate your attention. Right. And they do lots of psychological experiments on you without you knowing as part of their testing. Um, Facebook knows what I want. They, every time I go on there, they know what I'm thinking. I'm like, how did you know that? (laughs) Yeah. so, So they're manipulating your feed, um, in a way to assess your response to different types of things. Um, and they're trying to get you to basically use their applications as much as possible. They want you to spend more time on there than in your reality. Yeah. And the fact is that if you're going to engage in social media usage, you have to 
have boundaries for yourself. Otherwise you'll get sucked in and you might spend 15 hours a day on your phone, which is so unhealthy. And I do not recommend. Um, so for myself, I set lots of boundaries. I try not to spend more than an hour per day on all social media platforms, um, Mm. for any reason. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, but I try to stick to that most of the time. And then when I find myself comparing my life to the lives of others, I remind myself that this is not reality and that I have so much to be grateful for. So I think if you base your life on gratefulness and you wake up every morning feeling grateful for what it is you have, Mm -hmm. then you're more likely to compare yourself to people who have less than to people who have more. And I think that's a really fundamental, um, sort of thing that keeps you content and and happy. So I totally agree with you. Social media is very, very destructive. Um, uh, but it's also very, very incredibly useful in helping people form connections and form relationships. Like for instance, I would have met yeah, I want to have you on this podcast right now. <laughs> it, it, it creates tremendous opportunities if you use it in the right way, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so as with any tool, use it with caution. Um, realize that there are some sharp edges, and um, just operate it within certain boundaries. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So, I think we might. I might have to have you on here again talk about this social media thing because i really like this conversation and where it could go yeah i think social media is so so incredibly fascinating when i was working at facebook and instagram i would just ask my patients well what kinds of experiments do you do on people and how do you figure out how people will react to certain new features and it's really fascinating the way Mm -hmm. that they study this and they have incredible population sizes so you know when you're dealing with I don't know, 3 billion people on social media, you can manipulate um, populations of like 100 and 200,000 yeah. people and see how they react to yeah. various variables, which yeah. is fascinating. And it's also like, this is so crazy. It's also, I think, a little bit dangerous because <clears throat> now we're functioning less on facts and more on like virality, like how viral something can be and how power, yes. how, how effective someone is at grabbing your attention. So I could be some whack job doctor but if I'm a good speaker and I'm convincing and I'm confident and I'm talking effectively and I'm telling you not to vaccinate your kids and not to do this and not to do that, because I'm so, I f- you might feel this authoritativeness or you might feel like this confidence that's coming from somebody who really doesn't know what they're talking about. You want, people, people can believe this person on a very large scale, which I find terrifying. <laughs> That, that, that is one of the big concerns and it is pretty dangerous. I think especially in medicine, I get pretty worried about that because you have people from, um, unknown backgrounds or from, you know, questionable backgrounds claiming that they're an expert on, uh, you know, various things. And people believe that because they have a platform and they have a voice. And Mm -hmm. so I think we have a responsibility to, um, make sure that the messages that we're sharing are positive and that are steeped in evidence and that, um, are based in, you know, good intentions because otherwise you can do so much damage. Yes, absolutely. I like to end this podcast with one question and it's usually, I don't know, it, it might take a little bit of thought, so I hope it doesn't throw you off, but what is going beyond medicine 
mean to you? And this is more of a social, this is more of an experiment for me because I like to see what people's, what it, what people think going beyond medicine means to them. That's a really good question. I'm going to take like a few seconds to think about that. <laughs> I compose an answer that makes some sense. Take your time. To me, to me, um, to me, going beyond medicine sort of evokes this notion of the future. And so I just naturally think, well, what does the future hold for healthcare? But, but beyond that, how does healthcare and how do people who practice healthcare, um, how do, how do they function in the future? And one of the things that I have had the pleasure of working on is, um, working on artificial intelligence and machine learning to help us make better diagnoses and make, um, uh, make sure that our treatments are steeped in evidence and develop algorithms, uh, that ensure that we standardize how doctors make decisions. And so I, that's, yeah. that's sort of what it evokes in my in mind. 200 years. That'll be like real doctor. They'll be taking our jobs probably. I mean, I, I think it'll definitely take that span of time. In the next 50 years, you're not going to see that. I think what'll yeah. be more likely to happen is that we'll just doctors will have better tools. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're getting replaced anytime soon, yeah. but I think or, we'll or robots have will tools. just kill us all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I tend to I tend to think of the future uh, optimistically, and yeah. I hope that yeah, we I hope that's not the have case. better tools. Yeah, yeah, me too. So. That was a very thoughtful response. Thank you. Um, how can people connect with you? Where can they follow you? Where can they learn more about you? Yeah, I would say that I used to be more active on Twitter and Facebook, um, but have since uh, decreased my usage of those. Um, so the best place to connect with me is Instagram. You can follow me at clearskindoc, and that's uh, C-L-E-A-R-S-K-I-N-D-O-C. And, um, and then it has my email address on there. So if you want to reach out to me, um, and want to talk about anything collaborating or have inquiries, um, that's the best way to get hold of me. Awesome. And also, uh, you have the Alfem shop where you're, you're, you're doing the, the women in medicine t-shirts, which I that's think are right. Really, I, they're really I didn't cool. even talk about that at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, uh, you can, you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, one of my friends and I, uh, decided that we wanted to empower women and girls and make them feel like they belonged in whatever career, um, uh, industry that they, uh, wanted to be a part of. And we started with medicine. We've now branched out to tech law business. Um, and we have a general shirt for all women and girls, but basically they're empowering shirts. Um, and you can get one at alfemshop.com. That's A L F E M M E shop.com. Um, and they've been a big hit because people are sharing incredible stories, really powerful stories, um, yeah, along with pictures movement. of their shirts. Yeah. It's been a really big yeah. movement. I yeah. It's so. been incredible. I, I feel completely humber, humbled by, um, the response that we've had and, and the fact that so many, so many incredible, powerful women have shared their stories of struggle, of sacrifice and of triumph in the face of all sorts of challenges. So I really feel honored. Awesome. Dr. Alia, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on here again soon. Oh, I'd love that. Thank you so much, Remy. Hey, podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope we brought you some practical, good advice that you can apply to your life. Guys, if you could please do us the favor of sharing this, 
telling people about it, leaving us a comment, subscribing. All that will help us grow and will help us spread our message. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can go to our website and click support and it will help us grow this podcast and continue doing what we are doing and bringing you more high quality guests like the one you just heard. Thank you guys. Peace.